0: And welcome into another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Mandel, joined by Tom Leone. No Mikey D today. We wish him well, and he will be back next week, so don't worry about that. We'll have our comic back on the show. So <laughs> jumping right into things here. We have a lot going on in the NHL, but we're going to go right into our docket here because a team that has gotten a lot of national attention we haven't really touched on them in, enough, though, and that's the Boston Bruins. Tom, this team is on a historic pace. We've briefly, like, thrown out here and there the history that they're making, but just how amazing is this regular season we're seeing from Boston compared to what we saw from Tampa Bay a couple years ago when they looked unbeatable? It's eerily
1: similar. If Actually, I'll say this. The point percentage and all that kind of stuff is eerily similar. The two teams, I think, couldn't be any more different i mean from my memory of that tampa bay team that that did like i've said multiple times lost in the first round of columbus was they scored you to death almost like any given night they could just put up four or five six six goals in the back of the net the bruins to me just played this suffocating game this very heavy forecheck you know like every time you touch the puck as you know when you're playing the bruins there's somebody in your face there's multiple guys you know putting you into a corner or or forcing you to make an ill-advised pass in the neutral zone and I think there is some extra motivation given through their coach to these older aging players like a Krejci, like a Marshawn Bergeron and it's like, listen, this could be your last go about it. This is, could be your last best chance to win the cup. Because as we've talked about it before, this team isn't that much different than last year's team, albeit with the deadline additions of an Orloff, Hathaway, and, and, and Bertuzzi on this specific team. But the core has been the same for the Bruins for years. And this is the year they make this historic run. As we've said multiple times, the playoffs is a crap shoot. Once it starts, anything can happen. But speaking strictly on regular season, I have never seen a team as dominant as the Bruins in my 25 years of life. And probably, I don't know, uh, 19 years of watching hockey and being able to remember hockey. A team this dominant and this good with this good of goaltending. And it's a scary, scary thought. It's scary.
0: It really is, and I've I've talked about how much I like Jeremy Swayman. I think he's actually better than Olmark, but the numbers Olmark has put up this year speak for themselves. You look at this Boston team, and you said that Tampa team, they scored you to death. This team isn't really full of a bunch of goal scorers outside of Pasternak. I mean, yeah, Marchand sure. and Bergeron can score. Yeah, Krejci can score, but these guys aren't, like, elite goal scorers. So it's definitely you know, something different. We're seeing their top line Bergeron, Marchand, and DeBrusque. Yeah. That line can score and they'll put up points. That is a defensive line. That is a very good lockdown. Another team's top line and still put up points. Good that you don't see not a lot of teams have that I would say maybe four or five teams in the NHL have a line that they can say confidently will go shut you down and then score on you as well the second line with Pasternak just revitalizing the career of Pavel Zaka and David Krejci uh, he what can what else needs to be said about pasta <laughs> you know the third line they will beat you to a pulp in Charlie Coyle Tyler Partuzzi and Trent Frederick not yep. to mention the fact they can score. So, yeah. Like, and then they, Taylor they, Hall they were, coming off of IR when the playoffs start. Exa- and I was just getting to that. You you add Taylor Hall, who, as, as a Ranger guy, you saw him play against the Devils. He can throw the body. Or, you know he, he throws the body around. He's not someone who's just going to go score. He's not a finesse player. He's a big power forward with speed. So, you know, Boston just seems to have it all. And I think that's the biggest difference between this team and that Tampa team is this Boston team is built for the playoffs that Tampa team wasn't and Tampa realized that they retooled a bit got some of those plug pieces in there like a Pat Maroon so that way they can have that physical nature and not just try to score you to death. And that's that's where Boston, I think, comes in, and that's where they're able to have more success. And I think that's where Jim Montgomery as the head coach comes in, and he helps them play to that style and let them be a little bit more free. I think that's why they're scoring more goals and still playing smart in their own end. Nothing against Bruce Cassidy, but Montgomery was the right guy.
1: Yeah, it, it pains me to say I hate Boston sports, but but he really was. I kind of look at this Boston team – you know, as I guess the word that keeps coming into my mind is opportunistic. And, and, and someone might hear that word when describing a hockey team and not think that they're, you know, on pace to have the single, you know, single-handedly the best regular season any hockey team has ever had. But what I, what I mean by opportunistic is if you make a mistake, they will make you pay. You could, you could, and, and the thing is, you're not going to score enough against them to all your points that you made in order to make up for those mistakes, you know, you know, I look back to to games that my team played because listen, I, I've said this before on this pod before. I, I tend to watch highlights of games around the league to get a pulse of what teams, certain teams look like what certain players are doing. I've never really watched a Boston Bruins game. That wasn't Bruins Rangers and occasionally Bruins devils. But what I can tell you from Bruins Rangers is the game seemed pretty close five on five. I don't know what the metrics say underlying stats. The game seemed pretty close five on five, but the most recent game against the teams, right? It's two one and the Rangers get a power play. and, And in your head, you're like, wow, like the Rangers it's two, it's two one. The Rangers are on a power play. Maybe they'll tie the game up or get some momentum. And what happens? Boston scores a shorthanded goal. It's 3-1. And the game just feels instantly over. Why? Mistake. Bad pass in the neutral zone. Boston attacks and four checks, you know, as the Rangers are making a change. And they put the puck in the back of the net. That is what I mean by opportunistic. A lot of teams would have maybe made their change, got different penalty killers out there. No, Boston just goes for the throat, goes after it, and they score a goal. And now it goes from a possibility of 2-2 or 2-1 with momentum shifting to they snatch it right back up after one mistake. If the Rangers put the puck in the back of the net, who knows what that game turns into. But it, what Boston does so well is that they create, they create those chances for themselves and they bury them. I can't tell you how many times... I look at I look at some of the stats, like when they played Ottawa Tuesday night. I think Ottawa played a pretty solid game. I think Ottawa could have won that game. I think, you know, I hate the money puck meter, but sometimes they actually do a pretty good job. I think it was pretty close on, like, the deserve-to-win meter, which, which takes all the stats together and, like, how many simulations of a game, what percentage of the times that one team wins. I think Ottawa was pretty close. It was pretty even. But what did Boston do? They scored on the power play. And a bad neutral zone turnover turned into a goal from Marshawn and the And they went two one because they're able to lock it down and play playoff hockey. That is what is so dangerous about the Boston Bruins team. And I'm curious, we've seen this before in Ben and Ben, I'm sure you, you can, you can call instances where the best goalie in the league can turn into a pumpkin in the playoffs. And I'm curious to see what Olmark and Swayman do in the playoffs and how Montgomery deals with if one of them has a bad game, because he does like using both of them. And let's call a spade a spade as well. No team gets 113 points solely on the play of, you know, the guys on the ice. It's the dude in net that drives a lot of those points. And and there's probably been a heavy dose of incidents where Swayman and Allmark just completely steal games for the Bruins. And and that's why they have 113 points already with 12 to play.
0: Yeah. You said a couple of things here, Tom, that I have to touch on the, you hit the nail on the head with them being opportunistic And that's what the best teams do. And I think that's what makes Tampa Bay still so dangerous. And you saw that on display in those games against New Jersey last week. Tampa Bay is opportunistic and they score every single time you make a mistake. If you make a turnover in your own zone, Tampa Bay scores. Like you, there are certain teams where you just, like you can feel, like as soon as the mistake happens, you just drop because you know the puck is in the back of the net. And that's really like, that's the big thing with a team like Boston, with a team like Tampa Bay. Carolina reminds me of
1: that too, this Carolina team.
0: Certainly. And that's they have to be. Now I I do want to say with Olmark, I know he the numbers don't look great during his time in Buffalo. There were a few games I saw Olmark play, especially in the 21 or 2020-21 season and the 1920 season. Where I thought, oh, Mark, I was like, oh, this guy can play. If he gets some legitimate play in front of him, watch out. And he has more than legitimate play in front of him. It's really just, you know, for this team, they really are just a complete team. And I, I didn't think they needed to go make moves at the deadline. But looking at the moves that they made in bringing in Bertuzzi and, you know, going and getting Garnett Hathaway. Dimitri Orlov you know what for him to go, bring in Dmitry Orlov to go slot as your your sixth defenseman that's not bad that is not bad the season they're getting out of Hampus Lindholm we all know what Charlie McAvoy can do that's a lot of really good and really really just a lot of talent there now the other thing you were saying about a uh, goalie can just go lay a pumpkin in the playoffs you are not wrong about that either And while I do trust Swayman and I trust Olmark and mostly I trust the team in front of them, if Boston gets a first round matchup against either Florida or the Pittsburgh Penguins will be really telling. And I think if it's Florida, your prediction might come true. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be able to pull it out. I, I don't know mate. I don't think the Islanders pull it out against Boston, but Florida is easily the most dangerous team vying for those wild card spots right now with the amount of talent they have and really just how hot they've been since the all-star break. Cause they've worked themselves from the sellers in the East back into the playoff conversation. Now this isn't quite what the St. Louis blues did in 2019, but it's certainly up there. It's been very fun to watch and, Boston, they better hope that Florida works themselves into that first wild card and not the second because all of a sudden things get a little dicey if if the Florida Panthers are who Boston draws in that first round.
1: I'm sure Boston fans are with you on that. They don't want to see that team. And, and truthfully, if I'm a Hurricanes Devils or, I guess, Rangers fan, right, because I guess the Rangers have a shot at this thing, you don't want to run into Florida either if you win the Metro and they end up becoming the first wild card team because – Oof. Yeah, I think I think as a East as a whole, you know, I think if we're looking at the wild card and we're looking at the division winners and 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 the teams you want to play and think even if it goes seven, if you're not on your top game and you play crappy to get, you know, your playoff legs under you, the two teams I want to play are Pittsburgh and Islanders. Yeah. Sorokin can stand on his head and steal a few games. I don't think the Islanders have offensive fire enough offensive firepower for a playoffs. And I would, I would like to play Pittsburgh because their defense stinks. And I think I could put pucks behind the net and all I have to do is really stop the Gensel Crosby, Russ line or Raquel line, whoever they flip flop around with Malkin. And I'm going to be good against them. You shut that line down. You're good. They might steal a couple of games here and there, but, I like those. I like. To, I want to face those two teams if I'm if I'm winning the division. I don't want to play Florida. I don't want to play Barkov and Verhage and the Ryan and the Sam's, Ryan and Bennett and and you know their defense isn't is is no is no slump either. You know with Montour and and, and, don't, don't forget and about Utis and
0: don't forget about your guy Anthony Duclair.
1: Uh, Anthony Duclair, my guy, who the Rangers traded for Keith Yandel in their Eastern Conference game seven losing season against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Loved love some Keith Yandel. It was worth it. It was worth it.
0: <laughs> he was he was great for the power play. Such an Iron Man. And when they did trade for him, he was he was a stalwart back there. He was yep, not yep. only a good offensive but a good defensive defensive. And he didn't
1: well. miss a game. So although Duclair
0: Great career He's, was worth the it, trade. That's a that's a trade that worked out for both teams. It yep. it really did. You know Yandel, everything the Rangers could have hoped for. The only downside was they didn't win the cup. Arguably, if it wasn't for Tampa, they would have. Now well, it's like
1: think about this. Like like we talk about trades, like Boston, right? We've been talking about Boston a lot. You can go through their years where they might have made wrong decisions, but it kind of led them to where they are now. A, a big trade that obviously involves my team and this is the reason why I know it was, you know, they traded for Rick Nash. They gave up Ryan Lindgren, you know, Ryan Lindgren might've been a, a replacement for, they might not have needed to get a Hampus Lindholm or Dmitry Orlov if they didn't trade for Rick Nash, that meant nothing for them in that 2017, 2018 year. And they gave up Brian Lingard. Now Ryan Lingard's a, a top pair defenseman and they had to go out and get Orloff. It worked out. The team probably did other moves that got them to this point. Now they're having the greatest regular season. But like little moves like that, like sometimes get forgotten about when teams have success. And that was the point I made earlier when we had the trade deadline pods about the Devils, where the Devils transitioned from this this having to hold on the prospects like some of the prospects they give up for Timo Meyer, if they become stars four or five years down the line but the Devils are constantly in the playoffs for the next four or five years I could care less and that's why I was getting angry with some Devil fans that wanted to hold on to to Nemec they did which was smart but wanted to hold on to him where it's like he might not even be in the league for another two or three years the Devils could go on three Stanley Cup worthy runs with Timo Meyer. like you can't let that cause the deal not to go through. And that's what Boston did for Lingren or whatever. And 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 that's why, and what the, the Coyotes try to do with Duclair. And it, it sometimes gets so lost, these little minor trades and, and how those trade charts can connect to so many different teams and create so many different situations. It's
0: wild. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. And it's actually really funny because the Devils had their Marvel superhero comic night on Tuesday night. And their social media team released this really cool like it was basically like a parody of the what if show that marvel did oh, and it was God. so well put together i don't know if you're a marvel fan tom i don't know a if you've bit, watched yeah. it yeah um they basically were like they were talking like what if it's the show like all these different scenarios and like what could play out well they basically played on that with the draft trades free agents all different decisions that help build a team and each one changes it drastically. And it was so well done and put together because of not only the way it paying homage to the show, but just the way it actually talks, the legitimacy to it and how it actually does impact the way a team shapes. It's crazy. I mean, think about how different the devils are with team O'Meyer.
1: Or think I mean, about how different the devils are today if a ping pong ball doesn't shoot up a hole in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like, well, like, like with the
0: draft. Like <laughs> yeah. let's say they let's say the devils are drafting number two in 2017. Not even talk about 19. Yeah. Let's say 2017, the devils draft two and the Flyers take Nico Heischer, and the Devils have Nolan Patrick. Well, what if like it wasn't necessarily the player, but it was the team? Then maybe, or what if it yeah, was the, was player? the player. Like, What if Nolan yeah. Patrick is now what Nico Heischer is? And Nico Heischer is struggling to find himself in Vegas now after being traded. Like yeah. Does Vegas even trade for him? And now <laughs> you turn and look at 2019. What if the Rangers have Jack Hughes? Yep. Like that is like one little pink, but like that's how drastically one move can change and shift the entire scene. It, so really that video it's up on nuts. the devil's social media page for, you know, you, Tom, anybody who's listening to this, if they want to go check that out, but I love those, this,
1: not, not hockey related, but they, the NFL used to have that thing. What if they, I think they played off that. And my favorite mm-hmm. one to watch was what if Bill Belichick did not quit being the head coach of the New York Jets. I mean, we don't have to get into that, but that is one of my favorites <laughs> because well, not, that really, is one of the biggest moves in NFL history. And it's insane what the NFL, what we know today, if Bill Belichick never resigned on that cocktail napkin, who knows what the NFL will look like now? Who knows well, what who people knows? would view the Patriots as and who would what people would view the Jets as? nuts well
0: exactly who knows if, what maybe 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 Bill Belichick was the one who saw Tom Brady and said hey let's draft him and yep. what do you know like it's not like he was taken early what if the Jets end up drafting Tom Brady and what and if the Patriots like dynasty is the Jets dynasty like that very well could be a possibility and that's why it's so fun to just sit back and look at things <laughs> like that we do have to get back yes. on to hockey though and we're going to shift over Because another team out west, we've been talking about them a little bit, but we take a look at the Colorado Avalanche. Let's just look at our power rankings and the way we had had them. We had had them in there, not really in there, two weeks out. Now all of a sudden, they're back in. They come in at 10th in our power rankings this week. We'll get more into the power rankings in a little bit. We'll also dive into that Eastern Conference playoff picture a little bit more deeper into the show. But here we look at the Colorado Avalanche, all of a sudden, this team, not only they control their own destiny to win the division all of a sudden, and that's with a big four game road trip that they swept last week. They come out there, they just keep winning games. Tom, I mean, is Colorado back? Is this their biggest statement they've made so far on their Stanley Cup defense?
1: I mean, you win six in a row. I, I would have to say that it's a pretty big, big step in the right direction. I think they win the division. I remember I I haven't been as high on Tampa Bay and Colorado, the two teams that you know met in the Stanley Cup last year, and two teams that I kind of viewed as you know maybe you know Colorado obviously different circumstances, dealt with injury, just haven't really grew with has been so so. Tampa Bay just being old and and out of their you know league right now um, to an extent. But back to Colorado, it would not surprise me as we're recording this or are playing Pittsburgh. It would not surprise me if Colorado lost this game because it's such a Pittsburgh game to win, but. I think they win the division because I don't like what I'm seeing out of the wild and the stars, the last couple of nights. And I think that in hockey, when a team gets this hot, and a team that knows how to win, right. Colorado knows how to win. They want a cup that they take this. And even if they lose tonight, uh, you know, Wednesday night, and if they lose two games in a row, they could rip off five or six in a row. Cause they got that taste again. They got healthy. McCarr's back. Their team feels like it's good. They get good goaltending. They can go on a run, man. And and it's scary when teams start to get hot at this time of the year because it just seems to roll. Like when teams get hot in December and it lasts until February, this is like you get hot in March and it can last to June. And it, it, it's scary. And 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 I got to give you credit because you've been saying it even before they've gotten hot that they're your team to watch. And you have you're getting there. You might be 100 percent right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of easy, though, to say that the defending Stanley Cup champions with Nathan McKinnon and Kel McCarr are the team oh, to watch. Yeah, but true. <laughs> um, at the same time, though, you know, they've been dealing with so many injuries, and they had the luck in an injury now, too. Like, when is it going to stop for them? This team is loaded with talent. And, you know, it's it's amazing to me that, one, it's like I can't believe they're in the position that they're in. I thought with all these injuries, Maybe they're barely scraping into the playoffs or, you know, it wouldn't matter. And they're still atop the division because again, I don't think that the stars in the wild are that good. I think that what we saw to Minnesota against New Jersey on Tuesday night is what Minnesota is. They hang on and they win games. They're going to rely on Marc-Andre Fleury. Gust of Sim was unbelievable against the Devils. We were talking about it before the show. The Devils just seem to get goalied by everyone. And, you know, I was saying, well, when you're getting goalied by everyone, maybe it's not just the goalies. There's something about your finishing. But, you know, for Minnesota – I, I do. I think they're good enough to maybe even win a, se- a playoff series, especially if they see Dallas in the first round. But Colorado, they sit two points behind Minnesota and Dallas, uh, with two games in hand. So they they win both those games in hand. Granted, they uh, while we are recording this, they are currently losing to uh, Pittsburgh one nothing. It looked like Pittsburgh was. Uh, it looked like Pittsburgh was about to uh, go on the power play. Hmm. Oh nice. my. I, I'm looking here, so it's like this is uh with about 16 minutes left in the second period. Two-man advantage. Six, yeah, six on three. So <laughs> I don't know if maybe the goalie's pulled and there's another delayed call coming up, or if there's an error there. But they've got it's a two-man two two advantage, nuts. so they just scored. Yeah. So there we go. Yikes. So so the but <laughs> we've also seen. I mean, Colorado when they were playing the Devils in Colorado. Yeah, the Devils won the game, but the Devils were up five to one all of a sudden that game was, uh, five, four. So it's amazing. Colorado, Colorado that's another just... quick. Yeah. That's a quick hitting team. They can yeah. just keep on rolling. So definitely don't count them out. Uh, we will have to see how that game plays on, but you know, so Tom goaltending, you... goaltending with them. Yeah. Well, and that's, they just don't have it and that's their biggest Achilles heel. I would have liked to maybe seen them try to go get Jonathan quick instead of, uh, Vegas instead of the uh, Golden Knights but I, I don't know if they would have been able to make it work cap wise I know they've they, they're strapped yeah yep. there's a reason why they had to let Ryan Graves go a couple years ago but exactly yeah I, I yeah. do think Colorado does end up pulling this out because I think they're the best team while Dallas has been good this season they have kind of tapered a little bit so we're gonna shift back east and we're gonna look at the eastern conference playoff picture we'll start over in the Atlantic Division, though, because I I feel like we've we've talked about the Bruins now. Yeah, maybe they get a first round matchup with Florida. Maybe it's Pittsburgh. Maybe it's the Islanders. It looks like it's going to be one of those three teams. But the other matchup to look at, it looks like Toronto's going to get home ice, even though Tampa's creeping up in the standings a little bit. Toronto does have two games in hand, so. I, I think Toronto ends up holding on to home ice there for that series, but oh boy, oh boy, does a Toronto Tampa Bay playoff series intrigue? me.
1: Same, and it's I feel so bad for Toronto. Oh my god, it's just <laughs> you like, know they're
0: gonna lose too. I, I, it
1: feels that way, and and I, and I want to go cliche, and and I miss Mikey D on this pod today, and I know this is something he would say it would be like. You know, Toronto gets Tampa Bay after they probably should have beat them last year. Tampa Bay kind of on their way out. It's almost like scripted to the point where, like, Toronto will finally win a first round series against Tampa Bay, who's been a thorn in their side, and move on and then play Boston. It's another marquee matchup, original six, yada, yada, yada. It seems that way. But Tampa Bay has got the one thing, and every team in the Eastern Conference playoffs, albeit maybe New Jersey and maybe Florida will have better goaltending than Toronto Maple Leafs. And that is what scares me, and has always scared. I think every Toronto fan, and that's why I agree with you, and would say I think I would take Tampa Bay in seven again because you know Vasilevsky is gonna steal two or three games unless he completely falls off the off the ledge. You know it's gonna happen, and the point we were talking about before, Toronto, Tampa Bay is opportunistic. They're gonna score every time Tampa Bay makes a mistake. We know Tampa Bay's aggressive. We, I mean, we know Toronto's aggressive. Tampa Bay's aggressive. We, uh, uh, they're gonna turn the puck over. Toronto's defense in my opinion is slow Tampa Bay's got some speed in their top six I, and the third line of like Colton Sorelli and Hagel I, it does 100% feel like Toronto's gonna lose in the first round if that's the matchup I pray it doesn't happen and I will go on record probably when the time comes to make our picks for the playoffs take Toronto in the first round because I just feel like they're just so due but it's a bad matchup for them if there's a way Florida can go really get really hot. And beat Tampa, and beat Tampa Bay out for the third seed, which is probably impossible given the point situation. That's what I would hope happens if I was a Toronto fan. But
0: yeah, dude, yeah, that's dude, that's just brutal for Toronto. But I hate Toronto, so you know what, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I do have think, that hate uh, for
1: Toronto too much though. But I, I get where I get where it comes from. You know, it's like
0: I, just, it, it, it's I feel sad. for them. I think
1: I just feel for them. I feel you know I I just fans. get
0: so I get so annoyed. Because every single time I turn nine on NHL Network, it's just Toronto. It's yeah. it's Toronto. It's Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Like, please talk about somebody outside of Toronto. And yeah. I <laughs> so that, I that's get, where I my hatred that. comes from. <laughs> I just, so like, it's not really hatred towards Toronto. Uh, I do like Austin Matthews. I do think John Tavares is overrated.
1: I've so, always thought Gump, that Chris, as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you're a Ranger fan. You're gonna I'm think Tavares is afraid. Yes. I thought he was he I thought he was put into the superstar category a bit too early.
1: Like Barzell, it's a I, typical Islander player. Barzell's a superstar though, but Barzell's not Barzell gets talked in the same light as like Jack Hughes. And like, he shouldn't even be in the same light as like Mika Zibanejad. Truthfully.
0: I, I... I, it's, I think the biggest issue with Barzell is Barzell hasn't gotten to truly play with people that fit him. him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Barzell is not a scorer. He no. is not, he is a facilitator. And that's what Jack was trying to be when he came into the league and Lindy Ruff like finally just, Pulled him aside and said, "Dude, you've got a wicked shot. Start using it."
1: Yeah, shoot the most of Jack Hughes' goals
0: are he's got soft hands, but most of his goals are him ripping that shot. He's got a very quick release, and his shot just is on a line. It is always just fun to watch. But you look at Tampa Bay, and I I would argue that Vasilevsky is playing as good as he's ever had. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't stop and. I don't expect him to stop because it's not like he's getting up there in age yet. He is still quite in the prime of his career. You got to realize who was the goaltender for Tampa when they knocked the Rangers out in 2015.
1: Andre. Yeah. No, Ben Bishop. I was, I was
0: gonna say, I'm pretty sure it's Ben Bishop. It was so Ben Bishop. It's not like, like Vasilevsky has been there for the entirety of this run for Tampa Bay. He's still just getting started. So for, for this Tampa team, you know, Vasilevsky, he's only getting better still. And that's why he hasn't been dethroned as the best goalie in the NHL yet. Yeah, it's true. It's not like Igor hasn't been able to supplant him because. Vazzy is still getting better and I think that's the big thing. I would agree with you I think on paper I would take the goalies for Toronto over New Jersey and Florida but paper, I would actually yeah, but this year this year I would actually take Bobrovsky over all of them right now for playoff time. Yep. Bernardi doesn't
1: would, do doesn't move the needle for me though for some reason. Like he's no, not you know, consistent he enough. has
0: he had that one playoff series against Tampa that's good enough for me to show that he's better than Samsonov. Samsonov, I'll tell you right <laughs> now if Samsonov plays in the playoffs, Toronto's losing in five games. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. He is he is brutal come playoff time and if you actually remember in, I believe it was the 21 playoffs when it was that summer when the Islanders went on the run. Yep. I believe Boston and Washington played in the first round. Samsonov started the first two games. It was putrid and it was actually Vitek Vanacek who relieved him in the next couple games and played better. So just off that note, I'm taking Vanacek over <laughs> Samsonov. I think Matt Murray is probably going to be the guy who gets the nod for them just because of his playoff experience, but Matt Murray has been terrible as well ever since it has been pointed out that he is a weak glove. Yep, Teams realize that the glove's weak, and these guys are good enough to just rip it top shelf. So if you get space, Matt Murray is not stopping the puck. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's it's so so true. So I actually, of all of the goalies, uh, between the Maple Leafs, the Devils, and the Panthers, and this is, so outside of Bobrovsky, I would take Bobrovsky just off the experience he has. He has two Veznas. You can't argue with that. Yeah. Outside of Bobrovsky, I'm actually going to Kier Schmidt. And the reason I know in our group chat, I've actually been harping for Blackwood to get some playing time once he's healthy. They got to bring him back up. But Akira Schmidt, there is one thing that has been repeated with everybody who was asked about him it's how calm he is, no matter what the situation. I'll tell you what, that, that tells me he's gonna be pretty consistent and play the same way if he was playing in a big spot in the playoffs. If anything's gonna shake him, it would be that. So, you know, hey, let it let it ride with Akira Schmidt.
1: It's it's a <laughs> Akira Schmidt, what a name, right? It's just you know a Akira Schmidt kind of reminds me. You know, I, I thought the same thing about uh Georgi and, and and people forget there actually was a little bit there was a time with, with Quinn as the coach and the Rangers were in their rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. Where they were rolling three goalies, Georgiev, Igor, Henrik, Lundqvist ended up barely playing. But there was real debate over: should it be Georgiev's team going forward, or should it be Igor's team
0: going forward? And then Igor. Just- there was a lot of debate about that, and then the and next year Igor just ran with it. They came into that season, if I'm not mistaken, as supposed to be time. even partners. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and I saw a lot of Georgiev, and Georgiev the same thing. You always heard about how calm Yorgiev was, which is why it was such – that's why Tony D'Angelo wasn't a Rangers because he went after one of the calmest, most respectful guys on the team and punched him and and because and well, Tony, Tony D'Angelo's, D'Angelo's a cuz Tony D'Angelo
0: is Tony but, D'Angelo. A
1: hundred percent, but that was one of the things that, that really was point of emphasis for Yorgiev was his calmness and it always bodes well and that's why Georgiev got the chance to go into Colorado and be the be the be be the starter there and Georgiev was much better with the Rangers I think because in front of him was a little better I think well I think Colorado yeah I think Colorado actually struggles defensively
0: a little bit well their best defenseman thinks he's a forward Exactly. And, and <laughs> I, I need to, I need to jump on and say, I'm not bashing kel McCarr. I love Kel McCarr. <laughs> and I do think he is certainly a Norris candidate, but yeah. um, I mean, look, it's the same thing with Chris Letang. I used, I always criticize when a defenseman jumps up, I know it's, it's part of the game now. So it's just something goalies have to accept. It's why I'm a fan of when Dougie Hamilton does it, when it's an offensive driven league, you have to have that fourth guy, in on the rush you have to it's yeah. it's crucial yeah you're gonna give up some odd man rushes but you know you just have to do it so for Georgiev it certainly was easier in New York plus you know when you have Igor with you it definitely makes an impact and yeah you. I, I also think year. I think the big thing with Schmidt is I I see it all there and I can't I, I can't speak for what you specifically saw with Georgiev on top of what they were saying with the calmness but Schmid, he's got very, very good positioning. I have not seen him out of position. He doesn't, he hasn't really let in the soft goals. Small sample size this year, but even last year, he looked good. He had terrible play in front of him. And this year, his numbers are great, especially since he's been recalled from Utica. And for Akira Schmid, the biggest thing for him is he is, the team believes in him. And you can hear it the way they talk. Yeah, they believe in VTech just because VTech's been there all year. I don't know if they believe in Blackwood just because Blackwood's just, he's been hurt three separate times this year. But with Schmidt, it really, like, you you hear it in the captain Nico Heischer's voice when they're asking about him. He came out, they asked, they said, hey, you know, what, what do you think of Akira? And he said, he's like, oh, he's been great. He's just so calm back there. I mean, he just, he makes us buy into him. Like, yeah. that is a strong <laughs> statement coming from the captain saying he makes us buy into him. Now, I yeah. think, you know, maybe that's a Swiss given his fellow Swiss uh, <laughs> countrymen some nice words. But I don't, that's not something that you just throw around lightly. I mean,
1: the only thing that I've been very blessed in my life as a Ranger fan every playoff series going in, I know majority of the time I'm going to have the better goalie that hasn't amounted to any cups and anything of of measure, right? Like some other teams that have great goalies, Vasilevsky and Tampa Bay, right? Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay fans going to the series with, Oh, we have the best goalie bang. It actually proves out as in the Rangers. Uh, I saw all those years where, where Lundqvist post the Brodor series was probably the best goalie in every series that he played in, in the playoffs. And it led to nothing. Uh, as in now with Igor, there is probably only one goalie in the East where I would say, Oh, he's better than Igor. And that is Vasilevsky. And last year in the Eastern conference final, they lost the only, the the thing that I've never had experience. And I'm curious to see how it plays out for the devils is the goaltending in the playoffs is just so important because here's the thing with playoff goaltending. And I think what separates great playoff goalies and subpar playoff goalies is when it comes to the playoffs, you need the big save, in the big moment, there's going to be a turnover, there's going to be a high grade A chance, there's mm-hmm. going to be a breakaway. You need your goalie, let's say in a playoff series, let's say it goes seven games. Rangers Devils, it goes seven games. The, the team that's going to win, if they're actually that close, five on five, and all that kind of stuff, is going to be when Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin come down on a two-on-one, or Patrick Kane or Panarin or Zabenja has a breakaway. Let's say Akira Schmidt or Blackwood or Vtech has 10 breakaway or grade a chances that he faced in the series, whoever, and Igor has 10, whoever saves more of those will win the series. And you need to have a goalie that's tested and proven in doing that. And I think that's what, what comes into play like Toronto and Tampa Bay last year, every, I felt like every time Toronto made a mistake, back to the opportunistic thing in the beginning of this pod, Tampa Bay put it in the back of the net. Even if Toronto was absolutely dominating them, pace of play, five on five, uh, offensive zone time, every time there was a mistake, the puck was in the back of the net because the goaltending was so terrible. I'm curious to see with the Devils. I'm curious to see with Pittsburgh, if they get into the playoffs. I'm curious to see what Allmark and Swimming, because it's going to be their first really test in the playoffs, like real playoff hockey. It'll be their first test to see how they do in those situations, because there's something about... About being on the road, and the opposing player comes down the ice on a breakaway. You feel that tension in the crowd, like "Oh my god, oh my god, it's a huge moment." And if you get beat, the crowd erupts. Your confidence gets shot. Like, how do you bounce back from that? Like, that is what's crazy. Especially because playoffs. you
0: know those cha- you know those chants are raining yeah, down. you know you're here,
1: man. Tway. And and that's what yeah, got to exactly. Igor in Pittsburgh, and I think Igor e- learned from it. because e- yeah, yeah it, no, it dude, didn't it's- in. Carolina it was happening the chance but he didn't get phased it was happening in in the Tampa in the Tampa Bay series and he didn't get phased but in that Pittsburgh series he was phased he was not playing like he was because the fans were in his head and the game was in his head and and Crosby's getting by him and saying oh we got you." you yeah yes I'm curious I'm curious to see there's a lot of teams in the east that are very good that have goaltenders going into like their first like with expectations it's different being a wild card team and sneaking into the playoffs the devils have created an expectation for themselves and the team mm-hmm. and the rest of the league so v and akira or black or whatever combination they have the expectation of stopping pucks and the devils being favorites in series swayman and olmark are part of one of the greatest regular season hockey teams in history they have an expectation to play like they did in the regular season and more and win a cup in boston florida to your point why it would scare me if i'm a boston fan? They're, they had a bad start. They're playing great hockey. They snuck in the playoffs. The expectations are low now. Bobrovsky has experience. I wouldn't want to play that. Sorokin, right, has a little bit of playoff experience. I wouldn't want to play that. The Rangers, Igor, coming off at of Eastern Conference Final, the Rangers have an expectation. Their forwards have an expectation. So they could play tight. But I think Igor is going to just be ready for this playoffs. And I'm just curious to see. I think goaltending, obviously, cliche, always plays a part. But I think in the East especially, we're going to be talking come June when we're talking about the Stanley cup finals on this pod, we're going to be like this goalie had X stats in the regular season. Now look at him. Now he took it to the next level, or we're going to look back and be like, damn Tampa Bay lost that series. Cause Vasilevsky, who normally puts up these numbers, put up this and it's going to be, it's going to be really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. Tom, the piggyback off of that though, too, with goalies jumping, like coming into the playoffs, it's not even just those like, big saves on like the breakaway chances. Like, yes, those are huge. And you know, whichever goalie makes more of those stops is definitely going to help turn the tide in the series because you know, a short, those are shorthanded opportunities. Those are, you know, coming in off of a rush after your team just had a chance, most likely that's when those odd man rushes are being created. So making those saves is huge, but it's the timely ones. It's the, we're down one, nothing. We're facing a barrage of shots. Andre Vasilevsky is not letting the next goal in if his team is down one nothing, And that's what makes him such a special playoff performer. Y- Igor did the same thing once he got to the Carolina series and the Tampa series. The games that the Rangers were winning, you know, he didn't let them get behind or he didn't let them fall behind too far. And that's what makes Tampa such a dangerous team because they can score so quickly and they never fall too far behind. So that's really... What it's going to come down to, which goalies can make the timely saves? It's been talked about on the Devils broadcasts all year by Bill Spaulding and Ken Danico with VTech. Yeah, maybe he's only facing 20 to 25 shots a game, but he's making the saves when he needs to. When the game's zero zero, he'll come up with a big save. He did that in the Carolina game. To open the game up, he made a couple of really big saves when the game was 0-0. When the game was 1-0, he was able to keep the game 1-0 and not let Carolina tie the game up. And that's something that Vasilevsky does. That's something that Martin Burder was fantastic at in his career. And that's something that Henrik Lundqvist, while I think was great at it, at times wasn't the best. And that might have been where the Rangers faltered a little bit. Tom, sorry to kind of throw that at you, not trying to attack the king or anything. But I think for, for goalies, it's more than just making the big spots. It's finding a way to not let your team fall too far behind. And that's <laughs> where a guy like Tristan Jari will dig himself a hole because he gives up a couple of goals. And then all of a sudden he, now his team's too far out of it.
1: Yeah. It's funny. You made the Lundquist point. I mean, you're hundred percent right. We, as Ranger fans, we, you know, we don't want to admit this to other fan bases, but internally Lundquist was the King, no pun intended of the softy when it was the worst time. I mean, I was at game seven of the 2016 Eastern conference finals and that game seven game should have been a zero zero overtime game. He gave up two of the softest goals I've ever seen Lundqvist give up in my life. It was painful, but you're 100% right when it comes to playoff goaltending. And and another big thing, too, to even piggyback off of one of your points, you're speaking about big saves or keeping the game in, in graphs where, like, the next goal is a momentum swing. Your best penalty killer is your goal. So to win special teams battles in the playoffs, you need your goaltender to make big saves. I mean, there's going to be great A opportunities.
0: It feels every... like every power plays a goal in the playoffs.
1: It, it does. And if you get your goaltender hot, and that doesn't become the case, then you're golden because – discipline is huge when it comes to playoff time. And then obviously the refs, you know, choke on their whistle a little more. So you get away with some things, but then you might have a game where it's like a last game. We let you guys get away with a lot You play the same way. We're going to be a little tighter. So you need your goaltender to just be, you know, you need consistency in net, right? Consistency in net masks inconsistencies in your five on five play night in, night out, you know, dealing with an adjustment, right? Like, like you're playing the same team, possibly seven times in, in a week and a half you have these coaches they're professional coaches they're going to make dish, uh, adjustments line changes whether you're home or away you need your goalie to be able to to withstand the firepower and the pressure while your guys adjust to those adjustments right so like right a first period goes your way and you're up one nothing you're up two nothing and it goes both ways the goalie that you're facing might have kept it a four or five nothing game. might kept it two nothing right now you're goalie right you come out the second period Uh, Lindy Ruff changes his lines. Galant's like, Oh my God, what the hell's going on? I need to move some guys around. The Rangers are going to need Igor to deal with those adjustments for the first five, 10 minutes of that period when the onslaught's coming on and the ice is tilted until the coach makes those adjustments or doesn't make those adjustments and waits for the players to get acclimated. Like those are the big things that you need your goalie to just be a stalwart the net. And that's the difference between regular season goaltending and playoff goaltending. The coaches adjust more. The lines change more. Home and away means more. Goalies are seeing shots from everywhere because playoffs is pucks on net. Uh, you you might get caught off guard, and then you're ready. Like it's just so integral the game. And I don't think there's a sport out there. And you could jump in and correct me if you don't agree with this. I don't think there's a sport out there where the parity between the regular season and the playoffs is as large
0: as in hockey. I don't think there. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree, sport. and I think I think that this so the only thing i can really point out is this most recent mlb season but that seemed like a crapshoot because you can just tell the teams in the national league the three best teams just burned themselves out it was clear and obvious yeah so i wouldn't even say that there was even that like a small disparity there but there there certainly is a lot more parity in the nhl and i think it's more just the way the game is played right the fact that As long as you have a goalie who stands on his head, you're in every game. And in hockey, usually those are the teams that are in the playoffs, the teams that either can score a boatload of goals, the teams that have really good goalies, the teams that win it all have the goalie that was the hottest at the right time. That's what gets you through the playoffs, a hot goalie. If your goalie's not hot, I don't care how much you could score. You're not going to win.
1: No, because you you have have to survive seven games. You have to win four first. And if you don't have and consistent each goaltending, game is such a grind. Oh god, it's it's amazing. It really is the beauty, the beauty of sports is, is is playoff hockey.
0: It's epitomized in hockey. It's a,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. You took the word. Mm-hmm. I was looking for the word. You you said it perfectly. It is epitomized the the the, the heroics, pitch. the drama, the and each game feels like a series with the three periods and twenty minutes in between each of them, and the adjustments mm-hmm. you're able to make every. uh uh, like you can look at a game and be like for two periods this team dominated they were the better team and the third period they gave up three goals they played like crap and they lost the game the team might have been better for let's say the game goes seven the series goes seven games with no overtimes for 21 periods a team could be better in what 14 of them and lose a series like like they like, like it's insane it's nuts i love it so much but it's also frustrating because a lot of the times if we we be real the team that that actually is the best team in the league very rarely wins the cup which is frustrating given that it's the frustrating games the, the playoffs are long. As a fan, you're in it from October to June or October to April, May. And for your team to be so good in the regular season, all of a sudden in the playoffs, a lucky bounce, a bad call. Like puck luck is, is a real thing. doesn't go your way. You could lose a series. Like well, it, think think frustrated. about it this
0: way. Think about if game one against the Penguins was game seven. Yeah. that That's right there. That one game could – completely derail your whole season and that's that is the thing with hockey but that's also that is the beauty in it that is the beauty because and that's why the you know what an eight seed can go in and win it all yeah. like the yeah. la kings did in 2012 you know it's you know eight seeds can go and do it and it's not as surprising like in the nba if you're an eight seed okay thanks for coming yeah yeah like, exactly and <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so gone.
1: frustrating like like in the playoffs like like if like a 2-7 matchup usually isn't really close in the new playoff format. Like, but hockey, it's like you could have a 6-8. In the Stanley Cup Finals, like a six seed versus an eight seed, like to your point in 2020. Well, how like, many times do
0: a, we see the wild card teams win that first round? Win that fr- it, like, exactly, or take the series to format. seven, like
1: last year with Hurricanes in Boston. Like Boston took them mm-hmm. to seven. Like, like you, you, and some weird things happen in, in the playoffs where Carolina forgets how to win on the road in in the playoffs. Uh, well, that's year. Carolina.
0: We we said they're not that they don't look that impressive, but they're the one seed right now. They're playing exactly. playoff type hockey. Not a lot of offense. I mean, hey, Carolina draws Florida in the first round. Florida wins that series, in my opinion. Exactly. It's really, and that's the beauty of playoff hockey. I mean, you could look out west. If Edmonton ends up in in a wild card, that's a team uh, we're gonna have to talk about at some point because with how wide open the West is, as long as Connor McDavid gets in, you have to figure he's in the running to win the conference this year.
1: <laughs> it's true. This could be the year of Edmonton because really, I feel like the West. I feel like the West playoffs are gonna be a bunch of games with high scoring, less Minnesota playing because oh, they like be a track they like to play meet. tight. I think, tight. I think the East is gonna <laughs> be East tight. I think the East is gonna be tight games.
0: I think that the Stanley Cup the real Stanley Cup is going to be the Eastern Conference, Conference final. final and I know we've I know <laughs> we've talked about this but you know it is one of those things now yep. we do have to start wrapping the show up so let's jump into our power rankings here tom Think about a team you want to talk about here. I'll just run through the power rankings first, though. Boston, once again, unanimous number one as they continue to dominate. The Carolina Hurricanes went back into the unanimous number two spot as I had to forego the New Jersey Devils being better than them right now after (laughs) a rough week against Tampa Bay and then Florida. But New Jersey did still hold on to that number three spot, although they were tied with points with Toronto, thanks to Mikey D dropping them down to number five. Uh, <laughs> so New Jersey ended up in third, just because they did have two third place votes to Toronto's one. The devils find themselves tied in the power rankings, but really they seem to be all right. They were able to get a point and escape uh, Minnesota at home with a point. So that is what it is. They end up, they finish the season series with Minnesota with two points So I guess you take it. Toronto at number four, they, uh, you know, they just keep winning games. But at the same time, you know, they did lose two last week and they just feel like they're having trouble jumping New Jersey just because of New Jersey's point total in the standings. In overall a better division. So the Rangers in fifth with 19 points in our rankings. The Tampa Bay Lightning creep back up into number six with 14. The Vegas Golden Knights have 13 points for seventh. Dallas Stars, who lead the Central Division currently, they have eight points for eighth in our power rankings. The Los Angeles Kings coming in at nine with six points, and then the Colorado Avalanche cracked back into the top ten with four points. Now, Tom, of our top ten here, What's the one team you want to focus and highlight?
1: I'm being biased. For the first time, I'm being biased on this show when it comes to our power. Uh, podcast let's hear and it. And I am talking about my New York Rangers. Since I was on record on this podcast and said that the Rangers season starts in Montreal, they are 5-1-1. One, and one. They are dominant. They had a little mix-up against Carolina on Tuesday. Got caught in some bad changes, some non-calls. I mean, still a
0: first-place team, though. Still, still a first-place first place team.
1: Whether, whether Fesikov is in or not, still a first-place team. The Rangers can roll four lines. And Ben, my fourth line, my fourth liners, Goudreau, VC, and Ma are scoring goals in this stretch nightly. The game against Nashville. Nashville goes into Buffalo and demolishes Buffalo after, which makes the Rangers performance on Sunday, even better scoring six goals on six shots chasing. If there was a third goalie probably would have chased both UC Soros and their backup whose names eludes me right now. It's Hmm. not important. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) They, they absolutely dominate Pittsburgh both Thursday night and Saturday night. And it was, it was a statement to me for the first time in this season, they, and they got Lindgren back on Tuesday, which, which I think caused some of the rust because think about it. the defensive pairings have been playing together for 12 games. Now you insert Lingren as great as he is, but it's going to take another couple of games for them to get acclimated Fox and Lingren. You know, they made some mixups on Tuesday that pissed me off, but I think they'll be fine. But let me get back to my original point with them is that they are a team. Now they're rolling all their lines. They have all their, their players healthy if someone gets hurt they have people that are able to replace them and not have to play shorthanded and and what's happening with the rangers is they're gelling as a unit and i think their statement wins against pittsburgh and nashville and then them having a lead for most of the game against carolina and then just certain things not going their way losing a one goal game late for the first time this season they have separated themselves from possibly being in the group with pittsburgh the islanders florida and now more in with the toronto boston carolina New Jersey and I know some outside fans like you guys probably believe the Rangers were already in group a I'll call it group a and not group B as a fan base as a Ranger fan who had to watch them night in and night out. I wasn't seeing the consistency and I didn't necessarily like that, that they were playing shorthanded for so many games and risking people getting hurt and playing extra minutes that I needed to see a stretch like I just did. And I'm in right now. Let's see how it continues on Thursday night against Carolina and then against New Jersey in the next week. But I think they are firmly in Group A, and I think that they are a top team in the East. And I think this just this this run cemented them. I will never have them outside of the top five in our power rankings because they are legitimately a top five team in the NHL, and that's what this last week and a half has showed me. And that's why I wanted to talk about them, what they did to Pittsburgh, what they did to Nashville, who's a borderline playoff team in the West. That showed me this team, the players they got, the goaltending is for real. And they can go on another run if things go their way, and I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, Tom. Just because I want to prove your point, you're not being biased. I don't know if you read our <laughs> NHL weekly report this week. This was the headline. Uh, the first, so we had the Avalanche in there. The big story though was the Rangers push for the Metro.
1: <laughs> I can't. I won't go exactly, that far. I won't go that far. Well, They're not going to well, win no, the division or jump the Devils, but yeah, <laughs> this is
0: this is what I wrote though, and this is pretty much on par, word for word, what you just said. New York made a few splashy moves at and before the deadline, but the team had to struggle for a couple weeks to make those moves. Despite losing and sacrificing some points to stay compliant with the salary cap, the moves seemed to be paying off and not keeping the Rangers for potentially playing for home ice in the postseason. The Rangers closed the week out with a 7-0 stomping of Nashville, coming on the heels of three straight wins and stretching the point streak to seven games where they were 6-0-1, obviously, before Tuesday night's loss to Carolina. They're getting hot at the right time, and if they can play like this in front of world-class goaltender Igor Shesterkin, this team is as good as any in the league. With the same amount of games played as New Jersey, the Rangers... Went until Tuesday night, just five points back. They are now six points back, and they are eight points behind Carolina now for the top spot in the division. Uh, Carolina does have those two games in hand, though. So, I mean, Tom, how how similar is that to what you just said?
1: uh, Beautiful. (laughs) And and to even piggyback off of one of your points before you talk about your team, it's almost like I've watched Carolina go on When I say a run, I mean like a month and a half of where they never lose more than, let's say, two games in a row in regulation. For the Rangers, I will be brutally honest. Obviously, you don't get to the record they have Losing multiple games in a row, multiple times a season. But even when they went on their eight nine game win streak with points in eleven out of twelve or whatever, after that they followed that with like losing three out of four in regulation. And then they've had over the last couple of probably the last month, they've won three, lost two in regulation, one two, lost three in regular Like they haven't really put a streak together where even they, though they lost on Tuesday, and I and I, I I'm confident on them in Thursday where they're gonna go. Into the postseason. I think they're going to go into the postseason with, like, in the last, I don't know, 14, 15 games, they'll have points in, like, 11 out of 15. I really genuinely believe that's where the Rangers are heading. And that's what excites me. It's no more of this win five lose three, and and win six lose you lose three out of four in regulation. Like no, I don't I think that's done with the Rangers. I think they found their lineup. I think they found their consistency. I think Igor's getting back to Igor with the play in front of him, him getting better, and it's ball rolling now. Let's get after this. Let's use your experience last year against some teams that aren't going to have that experience in the playoffs, and let's see what happens. Beautifully, beautifully written though, Ben. Beautifully. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, you, Tom.
0: Now, (laughs) the team I'm going to talk about is a team we haven't really talked about at all on the podcast. They're number nine in the power rankings, Los Angeles Kings. The Kings. They continue to creep closer and closer to Vegas, not only for the Pacific Division, but the top spot. In the Western Conference, this team can be dangerous. Now, I don't think they really have the depth. They need Kevin Fiala to come back. He is day to day right now, but I like the top line with the pairing of Kopitar and Kempe. I know Quentin Byfield is currently listed as the first line left wing. The production's not there yet. He's still very young. I know he was the high draft pick, but you know, the second line I love in Philip Denault, Trevor Moore, and Victor Arvidsson. I think that's a very good unit, but the thing that i like the most about the los angeles kings is their power play they have a beautiful set play that they run where they win the faceoff to kopitar who's on the point he creeps to the top of the circle passes back down to adrian kempe who's on the bumper and then kopitar will slide into the slot Either he is wide open in the slot and he scores every time or that pass goes up to Drew Doughty, who then creeps up to the middle of the ice. The def- the forward has to either take away Kopitar or Doughty. There's no defending it. You, you got to take away Kopitar because you could at least try to stop the Doughty shot. But then Doughty's letting one rip and whoever is playing in front of the net, whether it's Victor Arvidsson or Fiala or Velarde, You know, these guys are are putting the puck in the net. The power play unit has been fantastic, and it's that set play. Kopitar is having a fantastic season, and he scored a ton of power play goals because of Adrian Kempe just finding him. Both of those guys have been terrific for the Kings this year and is the reason why they're playing so well. And then, I mean, Phoenix Copley's been solid, but we talked about the trade with Jonathan Quick. Getting Jonas Corposalo was huge for them because Copley, He's, he's over 30. He is not going to be the goalie of the future. Corpo is someone who can do that. And with the way quick was playing for the Kings this year, while he may be playing better in Vegas right now, it seemed like his time in Los Angeles was done and they were ready to move on. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a beautiful move
1: because sometimes, sometimes you got to cut the bait before it holds you down. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, very good move for a Los Angeles Kings organization that, you know, over the last ten to twelve years is has been let's let's face it, a premier organization in this league player decision wise, who they sign, you know, just overall the
0: ability to draw free agents in as well.
1: Yep, yep. They are a very underrated premier organization, if you ask me. If it, it, it not many people if you ask them, Oh, who are your top like franchises in the NHL? Like if you had, if you were a hockey player and you only had to choose four from four teams, I don't think many people would say the Kings, but they, they could be in debate for that conversation over the last, probably since like 2010, I would say.
0: Well, really think about it. Hockey has been primarily an East coast sport outside of Minnesota. So for, you know, to bring hockey to the West coast and to consistently draw fans in there, you know, you get the celebrities like Will Ferrell in there with the Kings and Snoop dog. Like yep. they, they get a bunch of high A-list guys in there and it really helps bring the fans out. And the fans are great there. They have a great fan base in Los Angeles. It's definitely a fun pl- place to play. If you're a player, it's just, you know, the you being a 10s. Ranger fan and me being a devil's <laughs> fans. Like, I mean, that's, that's a cup for each of our teams that the Los <laughs> Angeles Kings Kept
1: us from getting. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that one more thing about California hockey and going out west. There was some fun times in, tw- in the 2010s with Anaheim, San Jose, and the Kings. Oh, those yes. were some. Those were some good hockey teams out there. And and between Getzloff and Perry in
0: Anaheim. I was going to say back Thornton when Corey Perry was a legit goal scorer, yeah, and not just yeah, a Grinder. You
1: had Thornton and Couture and Pavelski in San Jose, and then you had. Oh, my God. And, and L.A., you had Kopitar and Dustin Brown and Dowdy and Alec Martinez. It was just – it was fun times. It was fun watching the West playoffs. Like, after the East playoffs ended, right after, you know, you watch mm-hmm. your Devils playoff game, or you watch your Rangers playoff game, or you watch your Pittsburgh playoff game, to turn on and watch, like like, Martin Jones versus Jonathan Quick. Like, it was just like – it was just – it was great. It was such fun hockey. And it was always like – the West, to me, was always like – the scoring playoffs and the east was to me always like the like grind it out superstar taking over games kind of
0: playoffs it was really like the western conference playoffs was the pac-12 after dark yeah,
1: it was like the wild wild west out there it's like <laughs> the third lines were scoring goals and the games would be like five four and then you watch an east game and it's like penguins capitals the game ends 2-1 and ovechkin scores you know both the goals because that's the superstar he is and the one hey, you like for the triple penguins is like triple overtime
0: games in the east and yeah in the west i mean you're lucky you're like if it goes to two overtimes in the West, you're like, what just happened? You get
1: five minute <laughs> penalties with six goals in the West. Yeah, it's it's insane. Oh, you're that insane. that game that was with the, Vegas. Know, that was a little later. That yeah. that
0: Vegas San Jose game, and I I that was Vegas's second year, and I remember watching that because I hated Vegas. San Jose had a three nothing series lead. They blew it. Went into Game Seven, and I believe Vegas had like a four to one lead. Took a major penalty with six minutes left in the game. And it was bang, bang, bang. San bang, Jose bang. scored three <laughs> goals to tie it. It was unbelievable. Such a what a hockey game. game that I'm watching was. that now. I-
1: I'm watching that after we, we're done with this pod. I'm going downstairs. I'm taking my laptop with me. I'm going on YouTube and I'm watching I'm, the highlights. I'm of that sure game. that
0: full, I'm sure the full game's up there. It might even be worth watching. Just I won't skip do skip to like the 10 I, minute mark in the third. Yeah, true, true, <laughs> true.
1: I do like watching that. Sometimes the full game highlights and doing that. Cause I like to hear the announcers like, and not oh, the, the live in
0: moment yeah. call where that you get the full call. Trust me as a broadcaster. Yeah. I love it. Nothing better.
1: I'm, that's what I'm going to do.
0: That's a, that's the move. But, we are going to wrap things up. I'll tell you what, Tom. I did not think it was going to be this long a show with just the two of us. But we, we do miss you, Mikey D. We're, yes, we we're ready for you to be back next week. While we're waiting for next week's show. Check us out. Check out our other podcasts over on Spotify, the Outsider Sports Football and the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. You can check out our website at OutsiderSports.net where we have those blogs, including the NHL Weekly Report with our power rankings, including how we individually rank them. Football blogs up there as well with baseball ones coming soon. You can also check us out on social media. Find our Twitter at OutsiderSports3. And check us out on TikTok and YouTube by searching Outsider Sports. Until next week... Have a good one.